Dog Sports, but we came here to win. The most legit podcast, that's why we know you're tuning in. We cover the biggest news, we underdogs, but we can't lose. So trust the process, yes you, because we got Chris and Andrew to bless you. With the best features, best stories, we diving deep like a Lambo leap. Wake up, kid, and stop snoring, we on point just like this beat. Bring the passion like the talk path. In the cold, get a gold brand. Sit back and race the cat, because we start this show like right now. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of The Underdog. Chris Howardale, joined by Anshu Khanna. Anshu. Chris. Wow. How's it going? Good. Wow indeed. How are you? <laughs> ah, you know, things are just peachy keen here in, uh, here in Chris' world. We, uh, we find ourselves in an interesting time in sports. We've got baseball gearing up for the playoffs. We have got football returning. We've got uh, we've got basketball summer league action. Uh, what is there's just there? I'm overwhelmed a little bit. I am I, I <laughs> when I well yeah for a lot of reasons, but sports sports specifically, I just it's shocking to me that we are here with football again so soon. Yeah, it's fun. We got hard knocks is on, and uh, yeah, it's been it's. We're getting to that point, man. It's fantasy season, basically. People are starting to draft, and um, yeah, I, I mean, it's crazy. I feel like because of you know the way the the way the NFL offseason is now structured, and really just like the Rogers story and the Deshaun mm-hmm. Watson story, and you know the amount of turnover that occurred in the last offseason, there's just it. It hasn't felt like there more than ever. It feels like there wasn't really an offseason. I don't know if you feel that way as well, but it's just like the Wentz trade. There was so many new faces in different places, and now I just it it yeah, it really really has not felt like there was ever a break in the football offseason. I could not agree more. I am absolutely on the same page. I have BavadaSportsbook.com open in front of me right now, and uh, you you alluded to the whole Aaron Rodgers situation, uh, one that you are certainly familiar with. I'm looking here, and Bavada has Aaron Rodgers as the number two option for the most likely to be uh, MVP of the National Football League in 2021-2022. He is sitting at, let's see, uh, he is sitting at plus 800 at Bavada. How do you feel about that? I mean, definitely a nod of respect to Rodgers, but I I mean... I feel like most people that have watched him and or watched this team have to think that there's some regression regression coming. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, that being said, you've got year three in the offense with Matt Lafleur, and and you know you add Randall Cobb, whatever that's worth, <laughs> AJ Dillon in year two. I mean, they've got a lot of young pieces, and you know they should be, you know they they shouldn't miss a beat really, in in any way there's they're basically the same team with maybe a couple new additions. Amari Rogers obviously gets added in the in the third round, and so I I mean I think that they're they're well situated for Rogers to you know basically have a better year than last year. But as we know, first of all, it's like very hard to repeat as an MVP. I mean you've got to go way above and beyond everybody else. And secondly, I just I think there's going to be some touchdown regression coming for him. So I would be I would not bet that as much as I love the guy and the team. Um, yeah, I, I don't like those odds. 
I mean, obviously has just an utterly unbelievable season last year. Uh, the cat is very excited. The cat's very bullish on Rodgers. And, she, she is. Very and, and now we've got this 17-game season. You think, you think the touchdown number drops? Obviously, what he did last year with 48 touchdowns was astounding. At 48 touchdowns, wow. Two, 15 in, uh, two just five interceptions. You think these numbers are going down? I, I, that's a really good question. I, I think that he, they probably will go down a little bit, but I, I don't, you know, the other thought is like that division, all the divisions is probably the most winnable in my mm. mind. Um, and like the Packers are as much of a shoe in to win the NFC North in my mind as any team in all of football. And I mean, you can say the Chiefs are better. You can say, yeah, the Niners are better, whoever, I mean, maybe not the Niners, but you know, you can say other teams are better, but given their competition, they have a they have a great chance at running away with this. And if that is the case, then, you know, is Rodgers even playing 17 games? Right. Are the Packers incentivized to play Jordan Love late in the season for whatever reason? See what you've got in a regular season game. I mean, we already know Love is going to play the entirety of the preseason, basically. No Rodgers expected to get any snaps in the in this preseason. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think his his numbers will go down. And part of that is like, I, I think he ends up playing, you know, 15, maybe 16 games. And, you know, he just won't have that same chip on his shoulder. They know their end game is to try to make this last dance count in the end in January and February. And so I, I just don't see him being as oriented with trying to, to throw a million touchdowns. So yeah, I would, I would say I expect um, a slight drop off in the touchdowns, even with the extra game scheduled. That's fair. Greg and I were talking about some of this stuff yesterday on You're Wrong, and uh, we noticed that Bavada had the over-under for wins for the 49ers, who you just uh, referenced, at 10.5. That feels like a big number. It does. It does, especially when you think of who six of those games are going to come against, you know, the Rams, Seahawks, and Cardinals. Those yeah. are not easy games. They obviously are going to be playing a last-place schedule, which helps a lot, but... At the same time, like, you know, we see worse to first all the time. That applies to the Niners, but that also applies to the other teams in in the conference. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough. I, and, you know, how many games are going to be a rookie quarterback? And, you know, how is Nick Bosa going to look off of a really bad injury? And, you know, what, for as much credit as Kyle Shanahan gets, and I, you know, I'm at the front of that line for sure, you know, he hasn't – had more than one winning season there. So like a lot of respect is being given to the way that they've to Kyle himself and to the way that they've structured that organization and built it from a personnel perspective. And I, I think, I don't know, maybe a little premature. So 10 and a half, you know, it's, it's not the same as last year's 10 and a half, but 10 and a half is still a winning record. And um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I would lean the under there for sure. I think so too. You you also referenced the last dance, which uh, you know was something that uh, that Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Parker, Devontae Parker, Devontae Adams, <laughs> who knows? It's uh, maybe I don't know that Devontae Parker <laughs> didn't do it. Uh, but, yeah, but specifically right. <laughs> comment. specifically Rodgers and Adams posted on their their twitters an incredible documentary that we had uh, about I don't know this time ish last year, a little bit a little bit earlier. Have you gotten to watch the Malice in the Palace documentary on Netflix? Oh, I have not. I have not. I've heard good things, though. 
I haven't seen it either. I am, I'm looking forward to it, but you know, it's, it is a busy time in sports, and it's a busy time in sports television as a, a show that you and I like quite a bit is uh, yes. pre- premiered its second season. Have you uh, been watching Ted Lasso? Oh, yeah. I'm all caught up on Ted Lasso. It is quite good, I would say. Would, would you say that the, the most recent episode, the third season in season two, arguably the best episode they've done so far? Oh, wow. I, I mean, I'll say arguably. I, you know, the thing with that show is like, I, and I've loved every episode it's so you know in its own way but the i I feel like i've got to batch the episodes together Mm -hmm. you know like the one-offs are not working for me i like they're it's great i'm sure i'll go back and watch them all together at some point but i might have to like do three in a row and and you know wait three weeks it's hard because everything immediately goes online obviously but right it's just yeah the last one was good but it sucks that we're all waiting a week you know uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, we we live in this world now where everything's made instantaneous to us, uh, made available instantaneously to us, and uh, it, it is difficult when streaming services elect to go with the the more traditional one a week model. Yeah, for sure. And so I think, like, to answer your question, I it's hard for me to say that because I like I can't pinpoint a specific episode from season one that was like that stood out because I just watched them all in a row. So, yeah. I, um, I, I did I mean, basically the same thing. I watched them all in one day. Yeah. Yeah. It's just so, so good. And it's so short that it makes it, you know, it always leaves you wanting a little bit more, especially when you watch one per week. So I think of, of this season for sure, it's the best one. I mean, I really like some of the late season one apps a lot. So um, yeah, it, I mean, they're all A pluses, you know, <laughs> it's hard to d- differentiate between them. Minor spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen the m- most recent season of Ted Lasso for the next like 90 seconds or so. But how do you feel about Roy not being with the team? I mean, I think it's going to turn soon <laughs> on that front. But uh, yeah, like I, I, I think it's smart to keep certain paths parallel, you know, and I kind of wish they had, again, these are spoilers, I kind of wish they had made a bigger deal out of Jamie rejoining. Like, I yeah. thought that would be a several-episode arc. They just jumped right into it. It was like, okay, I guess that's that's just going to happen. I think they could have built that up into a much cooler, bigger deal. After Ted basically lies to Sam about it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess he did lie, right? Like, I mean, he was kind of planning it clearly planting the idea and then went back and then obviously it happened you're right though they you think that would have been a much bigger deal and that was in 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 a show that is semi-based in reality that seemed like the most unrealistic thing to happen that this this young incredible prospect suddenly can't find a team to play for (laughs) well he or you know yeah, I think the idea is probably that he he you know wanted to play play with them all along, right? Like Re- that. really, although is that what you took from that? I I mean, he obviously wanted to go back to Man City, but that wasn't a thing. And then yeah, I mean, I don't think he was like looking at other teams in between Man City and um, AFC Richmond. Like I I got the sense that he just immediately dropped back down, and also like. For a show that does such a great job of building characters in season one, I like, 
I wish I wish that whole thought process took longer for him. You know, yeah. not just like that it would have taken longer for the team to take him back, but like I wish that, you know, he would like he suddenly had this like come to Jesus, oh, I'm just suddenly, you know, wanting to be back. And it's like there was no there was no arc there. I feel like they could have done a little bit more with that. But maybe that's that's not really endemic to the show. I don't know. And it was overcome a little easily just because of the the subject matter in the third episode. Correct. Correct. So then, I'm with you. I mean, we'll see how the rest of the season goes. Maybe this will be like a footnote to the whole thing, really, you know? Um, and there's a much bigger a much bigger storyline coming, but it just surprises me that after the way the first season went that that's how, that, that's how they approached that specific storyline. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Are you, uh, are you to, uh, to go back to sports, are you watching the Chicago Bulls Summer League team play at all? <laughs> I am. I, I've caught a little bit of it. I think it's the Bulls are one of those teams that Summer League is the most important for, you know, because they've got, we talked about Patrick Williams last few weeks and just like he is the key to unlocking whatever potential they have wherever to me wherever he goes is whether they become an actually interesting somewhat viable contender in quotes mm. versus like just uh middle of the road NBA hell you know lower level playoff team that's like it's up to him and so this this off this summer league is all about him in my mind and also um they've added uh, Marco Simonovic, who's from overseas, their mm-hmm. own second, their second round pick from a few years ago, that's supposed to be a, a key player in their their rotation here this year and the next few. So that those two guys specifically are like what this uh, this summer league team's all about, and that's what makes them that's that like these summer league games really matter for them as opposed to many other teams where like the Blazers have like Kenneth Fareed out there and mm-hmm. just like a lot of weirdo like i mean even the team like the sixers like i'm not sure how many guys out there oh it's like very so important. important it is ve- actually they have uh five draft picks and a couple other guys who and two two-way guys the 70 oh. the, se- oh. the 76ers team is actually fascinating with uh, oh. led by tyrese maxey first round pick Jaden oh, springer man. on that team isaiah joe's there paul reed's there charles bassey's there um petrusevich is there so six draft picks plus aaron wow. aaron henry and um and uh, Rajon Tucker, so six draft picks plus two two-way guys. Wow, never I stand corrected. That actually matters a ton for them, especially if Simmons does get traded. Like those guys, Maxi specifically becomes such an important piece of the puzzle too. So yeah, that makes makes a lot of sense. I completely was wrong about that. Yeah, I'm far more excited to watch the, the Sixers summer league team than the the mess that's going to be the Sixers at this point, but. <laughs> Isn't it funny how that works that the summer league team can be like more interesting than the actual team? Well, I'm just so frustrated by the regular team. And I've I've sort of grown to accept that Ben Simmons will start the season as a seventy sixer because Daryl Morey views him as the one the one path to getting that other superstar to play with Joel, whether it's Ben or you know, Ben via trade and his value so low right now. It's it's just I'm just I'm not I'm not into it. I'm not into it. Yeah. Yeah, I totally get. And you've just got you got to have fatigue a little bit with those, you know, those guys. I actually it's interesting. I think it it provides a, a full circle conversation about preseason in the NFL too because I think like there's a lot to be said about the value of preseason and summer league. These guys, you know, become who they are because of 
the confidence they're able to build in these like I guess you call them exhibitions, but really just non regular season postseason mm-hmm. games. And I like you know, look at your Eagles. I mean you've got you, you know, you've got Hertz and other other possible options. Flacco will see what he looks like and you know, there's just there are a lot of teams. Jordan Love's a huge like the Packers multiple years both in the past and into the future all come to a head in like in this preseason, you know? And so while like there's a lot that gets joked about with preseason and like the dumpy players that get thrown out there and Mm -hmm. the fact that stars don't really play, those guys make lots of money and, you know, franchises make key decisions based on, you know, what happens out there. So like, even if you don't know who's out there in the third quarter, that those are the guys that can end up mattering a ton for players in the end for teams in the end, I should say. Well, Mario actually alluded to this on the NFL show with me last week because Mario's gone through the preseason process in the NFL. And he basically yeah. said this is it, it comes down to two different categories. One, guys who have their jobs and don't really care. And these other, you know, 50 guys who are fighting and clawing to try and make a living for them, you know, and to make a life for their families. Absolutely. And well, I, I will throw a third group in there, which is just the players that have jobs but need to, you know, that are like on the brink of cracking a rotation. Sure. I don't know if you if you think that that's the group that falls into the, the second one that you brought up. But like those guys, especially rookies, like this is their chance to, you know, like who's the receiver you guys had last year? The the Jalen Rager. Awesome. Oh, Travis Fulgham. No, no. Yes, Fulgham. Like that's a perfect example to me. He was a, you know, a Packer at one point. Like these are guys who, even if it's not on their incumbent roster, like the film they put out there matters so much for their next team. Or you know, their own team sees that and they get propelled up the up the ranks. And you know, they're the guys we're picking up in weeks two and three of fantasy football. So, this, like this stuff, don't get it twisted. Like this stuff matters a ton, just like summer league. In that, you know, they're it might not get all the shine that the regular games do with the real stars, but mm. this, this can be the difference between teams making a Super Bowl and not. Oh, for sure. You need these cheap guys who can actually play at the bottom of the roster. Otherwise, you're not going to advance to that point. No question exactly. about it. Exactly. Exactly. No that's, question that's about it. my point. By the way, I'm... So preseason matters, for sure. I'm looking... I'm looking at this most improved player list, uh, the odds on Bavada for the most improved player for 2022 in the NBA. And I think it is utterly criminal that the Chicago Bulls are represented by Kobe White and not Patrick Williams. Oh, come on. That's ridiculous. Kobe White's not even going to play. <laughs> I mean, if anything's happened this offseason, I feel it's that Kobe White has been, his role is diminished clearly mm-hmm. by their moves. You know, you don't sign DeRozan and Ball unless you think that Kobe, if you think that Kobe White is any sort of answer. So, yeah, I mean, that's crazy. Williams is the key for them completely. Oh, I apologize. And you can see it. Zach Levine also on the list. Zach Levine plus 1,200 at Bavada for most improved player next year. So, like, he has to win MVP to be the most improved player? <laughs> like, right? I mean, that. What's the scenario for Zach Levine to win most improved player that isn't him winning MVP? Like, he wins a scoring title? He he scores 30 a game? Like, what is it? I don't know. Well, yeah, some of these guys at the top of the list are weird because, you know, you can you can see Porter Jr. making, and Michael Porter Jr. being on the list. Yeah. You can see, 
You can see Zion taking another step, although Zion statistically had a very, very good season. After that, you're talking about Shea Gilchrist-Alexander, who, like like Levine, would have to win the scoring title and you know put up a bunch of triple-doubles to win most improved player. Um, Sexton, I don't know, I guess Sexton could be a more complete gut player, but what, what does like De'Aaron Fox have to do to win a most improved player? I don't understand. I think it's like, it's not a statistical award, you know, it's like yeah. a feel thing. It's like, has he broken through, you know? And we saw that, I mean, it's usually in the playoffs that you see it, you know, like that, that infamous series with Donovan Mitchell and, um, man, now I'm forgetting, but John, Donovan Mitchell was in it and, uh, Book like Devin Booker, of course, mm-hmm. in the bubble made his big leap, and um, oh, it was Mitchell and uh, Jamal Murray. Oh right, oh about. right, oh right, and, and they, they went back and forth with fifties. Yeah, exactly, and that, but that you know, that's in the playoffs. That's after these awards are already decided. But and and usually you don't know when the leap has been taken until you know until the playoffs. But I guess it's do you make an All NBA team? Do you crack? You know, the do you make the All Star game? Is it some situation where? you know, you take that star turn. It's just really hard to do in the regular season because it's hard to recognize it. The sample set, like when does a sample size, is it sufficient to say like, oh yeah, he's, that guy's made the leap. You know, it's hard. And I was wrong, by the way, there is a third Chicago Bull represented on this list. It's just, I have not put that together in my brain yet. Lonzo Ball plus 2,500 at Bavada. That's an interesting one, I think, but it would also take him like taking on a massive scoring lead and staying healthy. And I don't know, I'd probably prefer a different ball for that one. But... <laughs> well, the guy who is missing here has been pretty spectacular so far in summer league. Who's that? You're uh, you're Mr. Williams. Oh yeah. He's not even on the list. He's not even on the list. I wonder if that's, that's because wild, he had man. he had he had such a big game, and maybe there's a question about where to rank him at this point. No, yeah, it could could be. You mean his yeah the thirty pointer the other night? Yeah, he's. Mm-hmm. I mean, the other thought is like, yeah, maybe he's. How do you have Kobe White on that list? It's got to yeah, it's got to <laughs> be like a ranking. It's got to be like a <laughs> that they're deciding. They're trying to figure it out. Doesn't make a ton of sense to me. What do you think about the the issues over the sign and trade, and the the potential tampering? Oh, man, I I don't know. I mean, it's just one of the like everyone's doing it. If you start, I understand slaps on the wrist, but also like that's not going to stop teams from doing it. If you start penalizing picks, it's just going to make them try to find a different workaround, you know. Mm-hmm. And like it's just going to keep happening. Agents talk. And that's that's the other thought is like it's okay for players to talk that doesn't violate this, but it's not okay for teams to discuss specific players. Mm-hmm. And I mean, all it would have taken is the Bulls just saying like, "Ah, oh, we're just going to hold off on making this trade for five hours," you know. So I don't know. I don't know who's lobbying. I, I guess it would be one of the other teams that were in contention for Ball that maybe would have wanted him, but. It's it's sort of, I think it's sort of silly, but, you know, it is what it is. What's your expectation in terms of what happens here? I, I mean, it sounds like they're going to get slapped and, mm-hmm. and with a first-round pick, potentially, which is brutal for a team that's already trading all their first-rounders. And, you know, it's it's just it's a bad situation for the Bulls if that's 
that's what it ends up costing them. Like, it, I don't think it'll cost them ball, obviously, but I think that it, there's a really good chance that it costs them a first and money, and neither of those things are, are things that the Bulls or their ownership wants to give up, for sure. The Because, you know, we're talking about potentially $5, $10 million fines at this point for the, the tampering rules. I, I would be surprised if they got hit upper-end money and upper-end draft picks. So I would think they're probably going to get fined like $7.5 million in a second-round pick. That's that seems reasonable because you don't want to give up second rounders either. Obviously, it's it's an avenue to adding other players, and I think that would that would send the message to really to the league. I mean, I, the Bulls are a bad example of not using their second round picks um, very well, but I think that other teams would see that and be like, "Oh yeah, shoot, we gotta we gotta make sure to keep our our stuff buttoned up so that when we do <laughs> when we do negotiate ahead of to any kind of allowed." Uh, window we just keep it under wraps so yeah i mean that makes sense do you think the bulls get hit harder than the heat do that's a i don't know i'll i'll defer to you on that one i I will say probably just because i think ball was a hotter ticket item than lowry but i could be wrong about that from everything i have read it's going to be next to impossible to prove that you know that lowry wasn't headed to miami anyway apparently he is it's either he is godfather to Butler's kid or Butler is godfather to his kid. Like there are oh, there are significant ties there. So I think I think it's going to be more. Uh, who, who the hell knows? But from, it, I don't know. Is Lowry from Philly or Lowry's from Philly? Yeah. So I have no idea where that would have happened. But okay, they met somewhere and they became friends. And uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't. Hey, know. we're on an all star team together. You want to be my son's godfather? <laughs> I guess Adebayo said no. Um, yeah, I, I don't. I don't know what happened there, but it, it, I, they're going to get punished. It's not. I think the Bulls are going to get hit harder. But you're right. Neither of these trades is going to be undone. Uh, so Lonzo will be the Bulls' starting point guard unless Kobe White unseats him in the preseason, <laughs> and uh, and Kyle Lowry will be there with the Heat, having signed a massive extension, uh, as did Jimmy Butler in Miami. Oh yeah. I I just don't get how the Heat keep doing this. Like, how do they keep making bad deals? I, and I'm not saying Butler's a bad. Neither of them are bad players by any means. But you know, by the end of that, it's not going to be good. Oh no! And yet they just keep reloading. Yeah, it is. It is completely dependent upon Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero stepping up and I think taking, shouldering some of that burden, offensively, defensively, as the faces of the team, by the end of this because. You know, Lowry's going to be 38 and making almost $30 million. Butler, Butler's not going to be young, and he's getting he's getting paid a ton. It's, yeah. Lowry, Lowry making $30 million at 38 is such a great case for why Lillard's contract isn't that bad. You know, like, cause, and even Westbrook. Just because that's, that's insane money. And I get that Lowry's not, like, an overly athletic, dynamic player, so maybe he'll age more gracefully than those guys. But... It it is insane to me that he is making that much, and and people aren't saying like that is that's insane. What are the Heat doing? Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I I we talked about it last week, but it's all the Chris Paul effect. Like Chris Paul has one good run where he's not injured every single game. It's just every <laughs> other game in the playoffs, and suddenly like veteran guards are able to you know make thirty million plus. Well, the clubhouse favorite for twenty twenty two NBA championship uh, favorite. That's excellent phrasing. Over at Bavada, 
is the the Brooklyn Nets sitting at uh, plus 220. They're in a very similar position to what we're talking about here with the Heat. They uh, Kevin Durant agrees to the monster extension, and the reports are that they expect both James Harden and Kyrie Irving to agree to extensions very shortly. These extensions will see all three of them making in excess of $50 million each during the 2026 season. Holy cow. Yeah, Brooklyn's going to be in a bad spot. The team should, if I'm, I don't know, anyone that doesn't have actual championship hopes for by then, I would be like in 2024 trading for that 2025, 2026 Brooklyn Nets first. Yeah, It's going to be nice. It's going to be similar to what happened with the Celtics where those picks are going to be worth their weight in gold. It's just a matter of like, make more of it than what the Celtics did, obviously. Well, and it's also funny to see like th- where this money is available and where it isn't because we saw a, a very strong case of where it isn't play out yesterday when a guy who turned down a four-year, $84 million contract with the Lakers Ooh. just signed a mid-level exception to be the, I don't know, starting point guard, the sixth man. We'll see how that and the Marcus Smart situation plays out. But Schroeder, mm-hmm. Schroeder goes to the Celtics. Yeah, bizarre. I mean, so he basically, like, obviously that that deal just wasn't there anywhere else is what, like, what was it about the Lakers that made him want to leave is my question. That, I don't know. I, I mean, his agent must have given him horrible advice for not taking that. Maybe he's just insulted by the fact that they're not offering him more money, but at the same time, nobody else was. Does, does this That's mean, not a bad deal at all for Dennis Schroeder. Oh, no, that's a great deal for Dennis Schroeder. That is yeah. a great it's 20 million plus a season for Dennis Schroeder. Like I wouldn't be comfortable paying that. God no. I wouldn't pay it for one season, let alone four. Like that's crazy. As as the market bore out, like they couldn't even get, you know, no one would sign him to that for one year. So man, that's that's wild. That like I, I mean, is it factual that he turned that down like mm-hmm. that that deal was definitely offered to him that's crazy to me yep on the table and turned down because he wanted a hundred million just imagine being dennis Schroeder now like holy shit like i could be out of the league next year if i really screw this up with boston well very similar thing happened with nerland's noel too the mavericks offered yeah, noel a major right. extension he ended up signing for an m uh, for the the league minimum two years in a row and i like I guess I, I understand it a little bit more with someone like Noel, just because, like, fine, if you don't want to go sign with Dallas in a pre Donchichera, I don't know, like, fine. Maybe it was the first year of him being there. I, I semi-understand it, but the Lakers are the Lakers. Like, yeah. they're the team you want that everyone wants to play for. You're going to be with LeBron and, you know, and all these guys are going to be the center of attention. By all accounts, you, you know, enjoyed that team last year seemed like he was right in the middle of everything and that just and you're dennis schroeder like you have no pedigree compared to someone like <laughs> nerland so well like that i i mean that is some irrational cockiness that i wish i had oh for sure but as soon as the westbrook trade was made that offer was you know, no longer available to one mr schroeder the celtics <laughs> the celtics sit at a plus four thousand if to win the championship you think they have any shot of competing next year? No. That's hard, right. hard no. <laughs> no, I and I mean like it was funny because I was you know watching the Olympics, watching the men's basketball team, and it was like it was all about Durant and Tatum, Durant and Tatum. To me, Tatum was not good at any point in that 
tournament no. except for like a seven minute stretch in the gold medal game. There was never a point where I was like, oh yeah, it's Duran and Tatum. I mean, Tatum was like such an afterthought on that team. If anything, you know, you're hoping that he takes the leap there. Totally didn't see that. And, and you know, maybe that I, and I understand that like that game isn't made for everyone and Tatum's a better NBA player than he is an international player, but God, like, I, I mean, I, I was expecting a lot more watching him every single game for a stretch, and I did not see that out of him at all. So, I yeah, I'm I'm bearish on them big time. This was not a co-pilot situation by any stretch of the imagination. This was Kevin no. Kevin Durant's Team USA featuring the rest. Yeah, yeah, and it was like really was the rest because even if you say if you think like Lillard was the second best player, or and he he was terrible. Obviously, we heard about the abdominal issue after the fact, but. He was not good. That was probably the worst version I've ever seen of Lillard over a several game stretch. And, you know, and then who else? I mean, Zach Levine's stock probably rose more than most, but he's, he wasn't even starting, you know? Right. So you can, you can say Duran and Tatum, but it was more than any other Team USA team I've, I've ever seen, really. It was just Durant and the Durant ads. Well, good, good on Lillard for actually participating when everybody else backed out for you know, the, the flimsiest of reasons. So you you hate to see, you you hate to crap on the guy for, for actually trying. No, I, I'm, and you're right. I I don't mean to say it that way. It was more like I would have expected Lillard to, to, to be this, to really to be that co-pilot that we're talking Mm -hmm. about, to be the Robin and same with Tatum, if not Lillard and neither of them were that guy at all. It really was just Katie dragging them into the championship and through the championship. I mean, he was so damn good. He said the, it was fun to actually like root for him for once too. Cause I usually just could not care less about it, but he's, <laughs> he's a phenomenal player. I mean, he is, it's hard to argue with him being the best player in the world at this point. Yeah. Durant had to step up when Kevin Love backed out. So that, that's just what it was. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. The enormous we, shoes. We know who this team was filled Kevin around. Love. <laughs> All right, that's going to be it for this week's episode of The Underdog. For Anshu Khanna, I'm Chris Forbidell. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Kevin Love. We'll be back here next week.